and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and who showcase planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive, and I'm the creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. In today's episode, I'm here with Seth Blaustein. Welcome, Seth. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And Seth is a, a futurist, a filmmaker, immersive festival producer and the creator of the Optimistic Futurism Framework. One of his last creations is the Dollar Donation Club, a micro donation platform aiming to unify 1 billion people giving a dollar a month, harmonizing humanity's challenges. And so we'll be talking about this and much more today. And um, yeah, Seth, welcome. Glad to have you on the show. This is, this is exciting. Excited to be here, man. Yeah, giving a dollar a month, I think, <laughs> is one of the simplest ways to make regenerative change and it's almost like my my the inner like teenager in me is like oh my god i wish i could do that you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's every every uh nine-year-old i think is trying to you know at some point tries to figure out how to get everyone in the world to give them a dollar um but yeah what if what if we could all give a dollar not you know flip that from the everyone give me a dollar to what if we all gave a dollar to something extremely important and global that would actually solve something on a humanity level scale. So that's sort of the, the premise of dollar donation club. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and so you've created something that you call humanities, humanities checklist, right? Um, like the checklist of, I don't love the word climate change and I might've outed myself for that. I, I like to prefer, I prefer to call it the great pollution, you know, the, the times we're in just because climate change is very charged, sends some people the wrong direction. And I feel like, we don't really have one of those, a checklist where we, you know, we have the SDGs, obviously great framework from the United Nations to talk about what's wrong, but we don't really have the, what's, what to do to make it right pathway, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, SDGs are a good, good kind of starting point and framework. Um, and things like project drawdown, you know, seek to provide really clear sets of solutions. Uh, but yeah, the, on Dollar Donation Club, we have Humanities Checklist, which is an ongoing and added to list of, of a little bit more specific real solutions and goals that need to be accomplished over the next several decades. Um, you know, cleaning up the oceans from plastics and, and preventing them from going there in the first place. That's a good goal that no matter where you are on the planet, no matter who you are, where you are in the political or ideological spectrum, we all benefit from that. Right. And, and so it's goals of that nature that are very universal, uh, very obvious, um, where we have clear solution sets too that are worth everybody contrib- micro contributing, you know, a dollar to solving together. So that's, that's some of the, the exciting. And, and we do, you know, we start with a small set on humanities checklist and then members will be able to sort of submit and add and we'll, we'll crowdsource more in the future. Nice. Yeah. Let's talk about micro donations and micro giving a little bit, because I feel like the first time that that really hit home for me was a few years ago when there was a, a you know, um, a Nobel Prize given for like micro loans and micro donations. And I, I think more so for people to create their own, you know, economic empowerment again. But ultimately, like the micro giving or like using the power of the group, using the power of how many we are is something that. I feel like um, we haven't leveraged enough as humanity yet. And it's, it's maybe sounds complex, but it's really also so simple at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the way I think about it is that a unified school of fish 
can be much, much bigger than the biggest shark out there and more powerful even. Um, and, and so a little bit of backstory of my, you know, how I've come to understand the power of micro contributions. Um, so my background is as a filmmaker, storyteller, done feature film work, and over the last five years, really exclusively focused on storytelling for, for social impact campaigns. Um, back in 2016, did a video that got 28 million views and raised about a million dollars for a cause. And ever since then, I just could not get the idea out of my head of what if every one of those viewers gave a quarter, 25 cents or 50 cents or a dollar? That would put no financial strain on any one person. Uh, and yet it would produce this absolutely remarkable amount of resources that could actually solve something. And I became very fascinated with that idea, which I've, I've kind of since come to, to describe as network unity, which is when enough sort of nodes in a network unify with a common expression, a common behavior to do something absolutely remarkable. And some of the qualities when you're, when you're in network unity, um, you're able to do these remarkable expressions of energy without putting any strain on any one node. Um, and so I, I had, you know, a couple years later, I had an opportunity in, uh, in real time to test some of the ideas where I was producing a conference in, in Austin. Um, one of the speakers was running late, had to run out of her Uber, go straight onto the stage. And in her rush, she left her backpack out in front of the venue and it rolled off the curb and got run over by a car. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I'm at the production booth, handed a, a laptop that is literally curved and twisted and mangled and it's twitching because it's still half on. And, and the, the um, person on my team who, who brought it to me said, this is her laptop. She's on stage during her talk right now. So I've got like 10 minutes before she gets off stage, try to figure out how I'm going to break the news to her that her laptop's torched. And that's when it occurred to me that we could, we could probably solve this quickly because we have a community here and been thinking a lot about micro contributions. So here's what we did. When she got off stage, we jumped up on stage holding her laptop and said, can we get everyone's attention, please? This is, I won't say her name, this is her laptop. Um, it just got run over by a car. Everybody's attention snaps to stage. Uh, we said, you know, we all know what that feels like to lose something important to you, your phone, your laptop, or your passport, or your wallet. Um, we can all empathize with that, right? And everybody in the room is, yeah, oh, that's terrible. That's the thing nobody wants to happen, but it's just <laughs> yeah. something that happens. Yeah. So, and it was very real in that moment. You know, we, we knew who the speaker was and we'd heard from her. And um, so we said, you know, what's interesting is that if everybody in the room right now were to give one or two dollars, we could solve this problem like that because we could buy our new laptop. You know, we all know, we all see that it's broken. We know that this can be solved through money. And if we all were to give a dollar or $2, there's, there's hundreds of us in the room, we could solve this right now and it would put no financial burden on any real, not, not really any financial burden for this audience on any one person. And so we popped up a QR code that went to PayPal and Venmo, two QR codes on the, the screens. And, and we said, just, just you don't need to give more than a dollar. And within a, an hour, we'd raise $1,200. Uh, 700 of that were truly you know, small donations. Um, and then the one person gave $500. And so that's, that's kind of when I knew um, that you know, if you could present the story clearly where there's a problem, if you could present a clear solution that actually needed funding and there was a clear sort of price tag on it, um, and you could make it really easy for people to micro contribute, right? They don't need to punch in a credit card in order to send something on Venmo or PayPal. 
then you, you know, there's no good, and I really underline the word good, there's no good reason why you couldn't scale that principle up to global broken laptops, global challenges that we're totally. facing yeah. as yeah. a species and, and uh, enable everyone to participate on a micro level. And so that, that's when I really knew that small could be big, right? And you know, if, when you unify micro contributions, we have targeted, uh, uh, we harness the power of targeted micro contributions at scale. Uh, there's no good reason why humanity couldn't unify to solve huge challenges together and make historic, truly historic impact together. And to, and, and to your point of sort of unifying in a sense, right? It's a very simple act that we could do that goes beyond talk of unity, right? It, it actually expresses itself as action and, and realize it's, itself as a real, a That's real change a out in the world. That's piece to it, right? It's like yeah. the real change that we do. I mean, you know, there's, I think there's, there's a lot of good to unify in ethos and sentiment and groups and in all kinds of ways. But ultimately, the moment we cross the threshold and we take a simple action step together, you know, you could even compare this, and this is going to be far-fetched, but you could even compare this to something like what the world has gone through this year with what I would call the, the Corona revolution. We're suddenly all focused on the same thing. And everyone takes the same actions mm -hmm. of like washing their hands better and like maybe being more respectful or polite to the people around you, but giving them some space. And suddenly, no matter where in the world you are, that's a behavior that everyone's doing. And there's a complete new common meeting ground, mm -hmm. at least possible, right? <laughs> and um, not, to, not to get lost in the fear that some people are feeling as well, which is, which is real for some people. Um, but ultimately, it gives a chance to unite. And so I feel like that's the same with giving the dollar um, how often have I thought about the taxes I pay and not knowing what they truly go to or the, <laughs> you know, like just not really understanding the transparency of how is this making the planet a better place? Mm -hmm. And so the broken laptop is, is a really interesting story because yeah, I mean, the world isn't suffering from broken laptops, but the planet really needs us or requires us to evolve, to have much, a much smarter way to organize and to you know go beyond being separated nation states but to be you know a united nature of, of humans that that thrive mm -hmm. yeah and and i think you know there's a lot of there's there's some fundamental sort of social phenomenon that are are part of why we're why we haven't been able to do that so far right i mean if you just step back and look at the philanthropic space you know there's there's millions of causes to choose from and, you know, millions of organizations. At one point there were more save the black rhino nonprofits than there were black rhinos in the world. And so there's this big choice problem actually that we have where we have such an overwhelm of opportunity to give to things. And yet the mist is thick, right? It's like, where did my money go? Did it actually make a difference? Um, did it actually go where they said it was going to go? Right. And, and if we can demystify that, right. And, and actually create layers where we have radical transparency, we know where the money's going. We've also analyzed um, what are the cascading benefits and, you know, having some better sense-making mechanisms that, that help vet solutions to, to sift out ones that might not be high impact or might not be adhering to a certain set of principles or values that you'd want to give to. Um, that's part of the, the issue. And so we have 
truthfully, humanity has a huge heart and wants to give. And millennials especially are the most generous generation of all time. That's well documented. And so, uh, but the mechanisms to give effectively are, are messy. And so, you know, to your, to sort of your, your point of, you know, not knowing where your taxes are going, right? It's the same thing with philanthropy. Often it feels like a black hole. You're like, man, I hope this does some good, you know, just give to this and hopefully it, you know, I'm trusting it, but who knows? So that, that's also part of what, what we're aiming to solve through Dollar Donation Club, you know, invented something called the donation tracker. That's like a FedEx tracker for your package, but for your donation that, that demonstrates to you exactly what happened with your dollar, even down to the level of a dollar, where it went, um, what it did, and gives you the ability to actually track stories of what happened with your donation all along the way of the journey of that. So, and on a deeper, just to, to not, pontificate too much but on a deeper level it's actually it's about us reconnecting with each other as human beings and with the planet um where we evolved in many ways to give to our neighbors right and to see the result of what we gave to right i gave you know give you some eggs or um helped out a neighbor and when they were having trouble and so we have that connect we have that connection built into us and in the digital expanded world that we're in you know we have it's very disconnected. The things we give to for social impact are often distant. Um, and we don't feel we, we've kind of lost a little bit of that soul to soul connection. And so part of the donation tracker and that building out these kind of transparency mechanisms are, are, are really about sort of reconnecting and closing the loop on wh what you give to and, and feeling the resonance with the impact that it created. Um, it, it deepens our connection with one another. And so on oh, that yeah. level, yeah. it helps us unify as well. It's interesting what you just shared there. You know, I had, I had a few pins in what you shared before that I wanted to return to and, mm -hmm. and, and maybe we'll get there, but let, let's go a little bit deeper on this idea of, you know, giving to your neighbors inbuilt in, into how we are, or in other words, we are wired to be kind, but sometimes we either lack attention or energy to act in that way, right? I feel like what you're explaining is one of the shadow sides of globalization. We've, be, mm. we've become a global village, which is beautiful on many levels, but then also we've become so disconnected with our immediate environment, com consistently being bombarded with an overload of information about the general environment, mm -hmm. which, which then renders a lot of people in this like, you know, back and forth between, I feel powerless because big bad news and um, well, I, my local neighbor, I don't even know that person. Yeah, there's, well, and there's lots of layers to, to that. We had a talk back in 2014 at Future Frontiers, my, my annual conference uh, by Stephen Kotler. And he talked about the neuroscience of pessimism and, and sort of just the, you know, our amygdala, the fear sort of filter of our brain, it highly prioritizes negative information. Right. And it, it, it sort of it, it puts a big fat underline highlight bold italicized whenever, you know, scary negative uh, information hits hits you. And so um, that's that's part of the challenge of, you know, watching a lot of news today is that you are you're you're you in your local environment, but you have this massively expanded uh channel of information coming in that gives the impression on the brain on the neurological level that the world is on fire because every time you see a news headline which typically are are negative right that's what gets the most viewers um and that's why is because your brain highlights and prioritizes it 
And, and so, yeah, it's, there's definitely a shadow. It, it, I think it is a, a shadow of that, you know, the massive expansion and access to information that we have at our fingertips now. I think it's especially relevant though, because it renders you um, like almost to a freeze state to become active in your local environment again, right? Because mm-hmm. some of the mm-hmm. world is on fire and we need to talk about this and we need to find a solution to, let's say the Amazon being, being burned down for, you know, cattle and, and GMO produced soy like that that's that's something that you know is not just a shadow it's like a big visible problem but then at the same time if you live you know in Austin Texas or in British Columbia or in France or in, in, in I don't know uh, the Philippines your energy might be much better applied in a local project where you're generating wealth and prosperity for all of your neighbors by doing mm-hmm. so yeah there's I think there's two sides to this there's there's definitely that you know you're inside of a community for a reason. And we all have um, in our own hero's journeys, we have a responsibility to the space immediately around us. And when we, when we, you know, it's kind of like if you want to change the world first, make your bed. Right. And, and, and it's like, if we have a mess around us, like what good are we going to do going over to some other part of the world and saying like, we know what you should be doing here. Right. That Which is ultimately also the definition of colonialism. Right. It's, right. it's consistently yeah. being faced with this idea of like going around fixing has in itself um, is, is a, a challenge because some things don't need fixing. They need holistic kind of remodeling, mm-hmm. taking into account all the different voices of the different people, which, I do see that included in, in the way you've already started the dollar donation club and the humanities checklist and kind of the, the panels of experts or, you know, um, vetting mechanisms that, that are, that are, that are building. Right. I'd love to, I'd love to talk about the brand a little bit because I think what you and everyone involved are doing is, is a really powerful um, way to bring storytelling to, together with social impact in a way where, you know, the dollar donation club is something that from where, where I see it, a seven-year-old or a 70-year-old could, could understand, oh, that's how simple it is. I can totally get on board with it. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. elaborate a bit about the brand and the way like, <clears throat> that you just playfully, playfully set it up? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, part of, part of it is that, you know, a lot of the philanthropic efforts today, they arouse a sense of guilt and shame when you, right, when you are confronted with a video that's showing something terrible happening in the world. Um, it, that can close you down. You know, that, that might be an important thing to feel, but it can also close you down and paralyze you from wanting to act. And so a big part of what Dollar Donation Club is like, we're, we're putting so much energy into the identifying of real, tangible, scalable solutions that once you know that you have those solutions, there's no, there's no reason to come across in a way that is, uh, negative, actually, it's uh, uh, and and even hopeful, right? Hope, in some sense, is this uh, need to to you're you're in a sense you're kind of praying that something will come in and be the Deus ex machina of to save the day, right? When you're in hope, right? But when you know you have a solution, you see, man, this would work if we scaled this, if we if we funded this, it would work, it would solve this challenge. Then you don't need to be hopeful; you can be confident, and when you can be confident, you can have fun with it too. Right. And so a big part of our, our brand is, you know, our, our logo is a flying pig and it's a symbol of transcending the quote impossible. Right. We can do the we can do the impossible when we harness the power of of unification at scale on uh, and fund things. We can absolutely transcend the quote impossible, break the four minute mile 
make historic impact. It's absolutely possible. And so, yeah, our brand is very much playful, fun, excited, enthusiastic, because we have the solutions. This goes back to Buckminster Fuller stuff. It's like humanity has all of the resources and solutions and the answers to a lot of our core fundamental problems. Our challenge is, can we unify around them or not? Right. And so that's sort of, you know, th that's been baked into the, the ethos and the brand. Um, one of my personal philosophies, it, it, which very much was baked into the conference, Future Frontiers, is criticized by creating. It's a quote loosely attributed to Michelangelo. And, and it's just, a, it's always a reminder for me to criticize by whenever I feel that critical energy of they're doing it wrong. You know, somebody else is yeah, doing yeah. something wrong. It's you're actually moving responsibility off of yourself as a human being who lives on planet earth collectively with a lot of other souls, right? But we're all in this together. We're all on the same planet. And when we can step into taking responsibility for every part of this planet, um, we can apply that power, that anger sometimes even that you from that, that comes to that, that critical lens and apply it into creativity, apply it into creating tools and, and solutions that are exciting and, and we can be enthusiastic about um, that make the problem obsolete. Right. So, so yeah, the brand is, you know, that's that and the flying pig, it's also kind of a piggy bank. Right. And, yeah, yeah. and you know, pigs had a whole on, other, a whole other thing that came up with a flying pig in yeah. my, in my uh, polyglot mind where my, my German, my German mind just woke up and was like, that's interesting. You said transcending, you know, the, that realm and like the, the pig flying off it in, in German, the, the inner um, slothiness that we all face as humans, right? Like the, that uh, inertia to start something new, that inertia to believe we can have more than hope. Um, there's a word for it and it's called your inner pig, <laughs> your inner pig dog, actually. Schweinehund for anyone who speaks German. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so wow. when you're transcending your inner pig dog and it's like a word <laughs> that actually people use because it's, it, everyone knows that, you know, you might prefer to sleep in um, then waking up at 6 a.m. and going for a run, meditating and eating the best breakfast ever to be at 8 a.m. be like, I'm going to love this day. Everyone knows that you, we all have this feeling for a few minutes or maybe longer to sleep in and prefer that. That's the inner pig dog, right? That's the inner mm -hmm. ego or the inner inertia threshold or whatever we want to call it. And so transcending that That's is funny. very important for reaching the global goals in that sense right? on on an individual level on and on a global level yeah that's so funny it, it really that flying pig archetype it, it must have some deep roots to be you know when you mention that in the german language and so yeah that's the the pig with wings is that symbol of transcending that give up sloth kind of mentality and and pulling off what was previously thought impossible we know it's you know totally we've broken the four minute mile enough throughout our history to, to know that we're going to do it more. Right. And, and so, yeah, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of, of that, of stepping into the true potential. Yeah. Seth, let's talk a little bit about the solution specifically, because I know um, there's like two really big ones that so relate to how I call this podcast and what I've been up to for a while, which is the, 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 the green and the blue, right? So, green planet uh, yeah. being biodiversity regenerating the earth planting a trillion trees and then blue um which i think the easiest way for me to say it is clean waters or cleaning up the ocean replenishing mm -hmm. fish populations right like regenerating coral reefs like all of those are real action steps so um you just hosted a um a gathering around 
a Trillium Tree initiative. Mm -hmm. I, I just love to know more from uh, <laughs> all of these projects that you're aware of that, that you know, the dollar donation yeah. club money also flows to. Yeah, so at the high level, Dollar Donation Club has set uh, to, to kick off, has set two really big goals. One is a, 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 along the lines of planting a trillion trees. The other is cleaning up, cleaning up ocean plastics and garbage, you know, and preventing it from going there ever again. And so these are two sort of, you know, what we call mega goals. Now nested within those are chapters of those goals, different journeys that, that we'll take in terms of funding solutions in various places around the world. Um, uh, and we say plant a trillion trees, but we know that it's, it's not actually about planting trees, it's about growing them. And it's not actually about growing trees. It's about uh, restoring and protecting forests. And it's not actually about forests. It's about ecosystems. Right. So, so, you know, it's, we simply, it's all this about sim so good. You simplify, so good, yeah. you simplify yeah. the messaging because that's a nice clean thing that we can all understand because it is the result is trees. Right. But we have to know that we're, we're talking about protecting and restoring and regenerating ecosystems. That is the found, that is the weave, the patchwork. It's like saying we're plant, you know, we're putting thread into a blanket. No, it's a blanket. It's a tapestry. Right. And, and so the, the, the vetting approach to how we choose the chapters that realize that goal is very, very specific. It's not about, you know, just paying people to drop seeds in the ground and hope that something happens. Right. There's been some bad stories along those lines. I think what happened in Turkey like a year ago, uh, planted like a million trees in a day or something like I might be getting that wrong, but something like that. And they, I think they came back a while later and most of them died. Right. And so there's, <clears throat> there's a wisdom to how you execute on an ambitious, measurable goal like that. That's very important. So, um, and I can go more into that. You know, our, our first solution set is uh, created by Trees for the Future. It's called the Forest Garden Solution. Um, it's an agroforestry approach that is actually solving root causes of hunger and poverty in Sub Saharan Africa um, through agroforestry. And one dollar plants four trees at the same time. So it's solving um, it's solving a lot of uh, re regenerative issues ecologically there, but it's it's also solving the root causes of why that's happening in the first place, which is often the uh, a monocropping sort of uh, mentality to agriculture that degrades the land, um, ends up creating poverty and hunger, and so. Um, you know, I, I won't go too down, far down the rabbit hole on that right now. On the ocean side, yeah, uh, to go to the, the blue planet side, this is something that is honestly more painful to look at. If you really, you know, you go and look at that, if you turn the lens on and you actually look at what's happening in the ocean, big, yeah. it is, uh, my heart cracks open immediately when I start talking about this because it's, different from planting trees in that there's very sparse solutions. There's, there's, it's so out of mind, out of sight, that it's very easy to forget that there's an absolute disaster happening uh, in the ocean every day, right? Ghost nets <laughs> turning into microplastics. Um, we're just tossing our garbage in the ocean and, and pretending like it's disappearing. It's not. It's coming back into our bodies through microplastics. It's uh, it's a huge issue that everybody on the planet, no matter where you are, where you are politically, ideologically, is important to your existence. And so um, 
you know, we've been, we've been vetting and reaching out to different organizations and found we've got a couple that we're in the vetting process of who actually have some sort of uh, approach to, to solving this. Um, and, uh, and so that, that's, you know, we, we have a very stringent vetting process that um, ensures that this isn't sort of what I call like lazy philanthropy, which is just often it's when you, your heart lights up for something and you just give to the first thing that you find that's got, you know, a name associated with that problem. That's kind of lazy. We really need to start smart philanthropy, which is giving with the head and the heart. Right, yeah, really yeah. studying the back. consequences of what we give to. Mm -hmm. What are the cascading benefits? Is it a seven generation mm -hmm. mentality being exactly. applied to this solution? Is it going to, you know, is it going to put people out of work? All, all of these things need to be analyzed in order to identify what we look for as acupuncture points of change, right? Change, points that create maximum impact, minimum resources applied, and trigger a whole cascade of, of other benefits as a result. So yeah, we need to regenerate the land. We need to regenerate and restore and protect the ocean. Um, and there, and through that, we can actually solve a lot of the other sustainable development goals. We can solve a lot of hunger, poverty, fundamental issues in, in places all over the world um, by restoring that connection between human and, and nature and re, you know, reconnecting the harmonic relationship that we, that we truly do have with nature. Yeah, big time, man. I, I love where you just went with that. There's, there's a lot of truth in, in the harmonic seven generational um, way of feeling and relating with the earth where, you know, the, the waterways and the forest or the carbon cycle and the oxygen cycle are like the extension of our lungs in that sense, truly, actually, mm -hmm. like we're, you know, um, I often these days are, I think I'm thinking back of the, the conversation I had with Ron Guerin this year, uh, who was in space for, you know, a uh, hundred days and, and plus plus and um, who came back with, with this just being so ingrained in his DNA. He's like, yeah, literally the overview effect is real. Yep. And when you're out there, you just realize that it's all the same pale blue dot. And so the way we treat the blue and the green is, is very important. Um, I just looked up yeah. this, this project from Turkey, not to like um, be too critical because <laughs> crit critical into creation or something like that. Criticized by creating, yeah. Criticized by creating. But yeah, so most of 11 million trees that it planted uh, seem to not have made oh, it. Oh, it was 11. Yeah. yeah. It's but on the other <clears throat> hand, just like to, to, for a second here, maybe look, talk about this. I'm glad that those projects exist and are stepping forward. And yeah. we need to learn so much faster as humanity when we do something that isn't actually fully head and heart integrated. When it's like yeah. the right direction, <laughs> but still kind of the shotgun approach. Then yeah we need to learn faster. What's your take on that, Seth? Like, how do you think we as humanity can actually learn from past mistakes? Either big, massive, bad ones or uh, small ones like this one in Turkey that had a good intention, um, but so we actually act much more in cohesion. I think that there's a natural stumble cycle to learning and <clears throat> applying yourself to any kind of really ambitious goal, right? I mean, children stumble when they go from from crawling to walking right and 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 that's okay you know it's definitely not a moment to stop and say like just give up you're never gonna walk right to the child but it, you know we, we have to zoom out to the humanity humanity level scale and realize we're we're evolving we're we're not perfect we're we're in this together and we're we're going to stumble into some solutions and and we might find paths of things that we try that completely fail 
but that branch now is closed on that lesson, right? We've learned it. We can integrate it into the whole of humanity's experiences and, and, and realign. Right. And so, yeah, I don't think there should be sort of this, you know, it's so, and there's this big trend with journalists these days to just want to kick, kick someone's butt when they fail at something and just be like, Oh, you know, that'll never work. This just proved that planting trees is not really a solution to anything because yeah, you know, this failed and, you know, and right, but that's it's, polarized and white it's, it's great headlines. I'm sure they got a lot of views yeah. on that, but it's not actually really contributing to, to us learning um, oh, yeah. and, and moving forward. And so, so yeah, I think it's, it's natural to, you know, just it's emerging in the zeitgeist right now that a tree is an absolutely incredible technology for solving a lot of different challenges that humanity faces. Um, and so, so us sort of unifying around that, right? And, and this is, you know, you mentioned the, the Trillion Trees Summit that we hosted this, this past uh, weekend. Um, we brought together some of the leading organizations who are planting trees, right? With all the caveats underneath it of they're not just planting trees. Um, we brought them all together, two to three presenters from every continent except Antarctica. And, and we asked them to present on what they're doing that's working, what their obstacles are, their common obstacles, and what they need in order to scale more, right? And so, and it was the first, you know, many of those organizations pointed out, this is the first time that we've all gotten together to talk to each other and, and share and cross-pollinate a little bit. And so, you know, we're in that early nascent stage, I think, of unifying around these big regenerative goals. And so we're going to stumble and that's okay. And I don't think we should shame Turkey for, I think Turkey should take a round two on that and, exactly. and show that's the exactly world it. that they yeah. can do it and, 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 and learn from some of the masters, right? Going back to Wangari Matai and some of the, the legacy holders of that, of, of her torch that exists today that are incarnated in these organizations that, you know, that, that are out there. I mean, I'm, I'm biased a little bit just because we vetted them so extensively, but Trees for the Future has hit on an absolutely wise model that can truly uplift millions of people out of hunger and poverty while regenerating and restoring the land with just a myriad of, of other cascading benefits. And so we have to approach things again, not just with a gut reaction of our heart, of an emotional sort of like, oh, this is terrible. Let's start, let's just run outside right now and throw some seeds in the ground. That's not gonna work. We, we, that's not, we, we, need to, we need to take a breath, learn uh, what will actually be smart philanthropy, effective, um, uh, study how certain organizations have, have figured things out, how they've figured out how to reduce costs incredibly through, through very wise ways, not, not like, not sh corner cutting and, and, uh, shortcuts, but wise, wise ways, because ultimately seeds are basically free. And if, and it's, and the real value is in the wisdom of the, the planter and who's going to steward that life. And, 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 yeah. You know, I'm a little, there's, there's a lot of organizations that try to pay people to plant trees. And I think, go out on a limb here and say, it's, I haven't seen a model like that that's worked really well. It's not um, because there's no connection there. It's someone's being- Well, it doesn't take the whole ecosystem into account. Right now we're again at this point where it's like a tree <laughs> isn't a tree. A tree is, isn't just, you know, the roots and the carbon offset that it creates. 
a tree is a you know an intelligent technology of nature in an ecosystem and so mm-hmm. that would mean we'd have to always make sure we understand the ecosystem in which we we, we plant which you know as you said earlier mm-hmm. is a total prerequisite um and, and then maybe these mass plea trend mass tree planting initiatives uh, in Canada there's a lot of this too but it's all mm-hmm. logging based right so it's like trees are planted where massive logging has happened to cut them down. Yeah. exactly even though it sounds like hey we're going tree planting this summer that's like a beautiful kind of all the world savers are coming together that's maybe the ethos in some of those people but but the reality is it's it's been a, a, a logged forest right where yeah um, the ecosystem is totally destroyed as a resource and seen as a resource only yeah, and I, I think it, again, it, it comes down to a fundamental perception of nature is separate from us and we've got to do something versus mm-hmm. nature is that we have a reciprocal relationship. And exactly. these trees are not just trees. They're air, they're, they're life, they're food, right? And so, you know, these uh, incredible agroforestry models that are actually working with, with people who have monocrops to helping them transition to agroforestry, uh, that is powerful because then you don't need to pay. You're not paying people to go check on a tree every month or two and make sure it's, you know, surviving to maturity. That's hard. That's expensive. Um, but when it's people who these trees become part of their, their life cycle, they, they literally feed their families. They become their financial um, stability. Um, they want, they, no one would want to care for those trees more than than somebody who that's their relationship with it right and so the you know that's not expensive to 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 see through and so i think it's it's part of it is in order to pull off something as remarkable as a trillion trees we need to re we need to have a little bit of a paradigm shift on just the mentality of how we would approach it right and and there are exciting scalable things like drones that can dramatically reduce costs up the rate of, of germination and, and, and uh, trees reaching maturity. And what I hope to see is the integration of that ex- exceptional modern scientific technological innovation paired with the wisdom of generations before us and, and, and reconnecting all of that into a harmonic relationship between humanity and, and, and nature as it is. Totally. There's a few lights that went up for, for me in what you said there in, in the last few minutes, but I, I think it, it might have to come, come back around for, you know, a, a second conversation and all that and, and mm-hmm. specifically go deeper on some of, some of the, the, the context here, like let's say just the trees and, you know, I'll, I'll make one example that just was like an aha moment in, in how you shared, Seth, is that something I've witnessed around the world, especially traveling a lot and being in different kind of circles and um, settings is that a lot of the times what's actually lacking, and it sounds funny, but is exactly what you shared from the Trillion Tree uh, Summit you all hosted is that different people from different continents don't actually talk as much with each other as you'd assume, right? Just like the city planner right. from New York doesn't talk to the city planner from Mexico City, even though they probably should. Um, Right. And, and then have like lots of meetings and be inspired about how to build uh, spaces to live in. But right now I have two more questions for you. And one, um, it's just, you know, like a call to action for everyone who's inspired from this conversation uh, to go find Dollar Donation Club and like, you know, get their own giving and, and goodwill activated into real, real steps. Like what would you say is, is, is a great place to start? 
Yeah, go to dollardonationclub.com. We've made it extremely easy to join and start giving as little as a dollar a month uh, with Venmo, PayPal, Apple Pay. Um, And, you know, I'll just, zooming out to the historic possibility here, there is no good reason why we could not unify a billion people giving $1 a month, channeling that to solving humanity's biggest problems that are global in nature. Uh, There's no good reason why we couldn't do that. Um, It starts with you. It starts with every individual um, seeing the historic possibility there that that there's, there's no reason why we can't do it and, and allowing a chain reaction to spark that spreads and invites the whole world to unify around solving these, these issues. And it, it starts now, you know, we, we, we've uh, built the, the platform for that to occur. Um, so I would, I would just encourage you to, you know, step, step into that. Um, yes. This was the other side of the coin I mentioned earlier. It is, we need to focus local. Yes. But we can't put the genie back in the bottle of the global nature of the world that we're in. Totally. And there is a wise you know, there is a wise way to be global in nature. Realize this is, this is the great opportunity for humanity right now to unify across borders, differences, political ideologies, and find those common ground humanity level um, reasons to, <laughs> to unify, yeah, right? Yeah. We have them. And, and it starts with a dollar a month because we, we you know, it, we can turn that into. Honestly, I bet every one of you listening right now, a dollar a month is totally very doable. And it's almost like we as individuals have our 1% to the planet. Um, just like that started for some companies to g- give a, a percent of revenue. Right. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's link all that out and we, we get people to, to explore the dollar donation club and make, make it a big movement. I, I'm with you, like a billion people maybe sounds like a huge goal at first, but then if we think of it, um, a billion people are totally able to give a dollar a month. Um, and, and maybe, maybe on average even, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we'll have, we'll have a, a link, uh, a, a link for green planet, blue planet that you can sign up with that will, um, there's this whole sort of uh, side to dollar donation club that is, uh, um, we track impact points. So every time you inspire someone to give a dollar a month, they become part of your impact family. And, and we, that's part of how we track and measure how we're spreading the impact. So now for the first time, we can actually measure the ripples of when we talk to somebody about giving to something and it turns into them giving for years, hopefully, um, that'll all be tracked and, and, and we'll be able to, to, to see again, all going to this sort of adding these transparency layers. So, you know, this is the first podcast. Um, this is the first time actually that we're, we're launching dollar donation club a big way on this podcast. So, um, yeah, sign up with the, sign up with the green planet, blue planet link, because I mean, there's no like financial thing going on. It's, it's just, we're, we're tracking sort of where this, where this ripple came from. And so if you learned about it and and sign up here um, and you'll have your own link as a member to invite people to join your impact family. And our, our goal, you know, if we get, if everybody who joins inspires three people to join uh, actually reaching a billion people is like, one of our developers figured this out. It's like uh, uh, 19 levels of a factorial of, I don't know, I'll have to have him explain it, but if everybody shares it with three and inspires three to join, giving a dollar a month, uh, that chain reaction will move very fast. Mm. And, it, and it can actually get to the, to the scale of millions, hundreds of millions. 
quickly in a billion. Let's create that impact family. I'm so curious about your answer on this last question I have, Seth, because you know <laughs> everything you shared was basically already aiming towards that question from where I'm I'm, I'm sitting. So the the question uh, is, what's your seven generational dream or view for the planet, right? So if we were to zoom out on the timeline and you were to say, <sighs> we're good ancestors for the future, what is your dream, your you know your Earth vision that's kind of in you that? Mm-hmm. you could share <clears throat> well um i believe that the sustainable development goals and all that are like a like a kind of what oh yeah i remember those like a thing of the past that's that's certainly one thing i i very much see um us having realized that power of of unification micro donations at scale being applied to not just healing problems and scars but applied to actually um, uplifting human flourishing, planetary flourishing. So investing, in, in, you know, in in things that um, that uplift us. You know, moving beyond sort of solving problems to creating opportunities for for our beautiful planet and our species. Um, I I see that um, that to that point earlier of humanity reconnecting with nature. Um, that we've re-established and reunited the modern innovation mindset of civilization, which is beautiful and has a lot of beauty to it. And we've integrated the shadow of it and made it not only sustainable, but generative. And, and it comes down to reconnecting us as stewards of, of the planet in many ways mm-hmm. um, with a, a harmonic relationship with nature and with all life for the benefit of all beings on earth. And so that's what I, that's what I, I, I don't see any reason why in a hundred years that couldn't be realized. Um, so that's, that's the, that's, that's my dream. I'll let that sink in. Let's, let's unite to make that dream happen. And I'm sure that deep down in our souls and our heart space and also in our, you know, logical mind um, in that combination, there's many of us that share that dream. Um, looking back on the the 2030s well the 2020s from 2030s perspective and being like oh wow we Mm -hmm. did we did actually start a regenaissance a regenerative renaissance of our modern times i have the the same prayer in heart yeah thank you so much seth for the your time for creating the way you are you know future frontiers you know storytelling with unify like uh, micro donations all of that you're you know you're such a game changer and you're, you're bringing so much to the plate um, yeah, just thank you for, for being you and um, walking your walk. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. This was fun. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Here we are again. This is your host, Julian, and I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. Check out my Patreon, best way to support the podcast, myself and the mission. Lots of exciting perks and ways to be engaged to receive more value. That being said, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, share it with the people you love, and have yourself a stellar day. Thank you.